Hey guys, this is Jared Causey, and you're listening to Causey's Conversations. Well, hello there, and welcome back to Causey's Conversations. I'm your host, Jared Causey. Thank you for joining us for this uh, special edition of Causey's Conversations. As you can hear, there is a train in the background. Um, it's one of Grandview's finest uh, trains going through town, so... Uh, welcome to Texas. So I am joined by my pastor Aaron Scarborough and my friend and veteran. I mean, like the the biggest veteran. I've got to be your most yeah. frequent guest at this point. Oh, for point. sure, absolutely. So Clayton Carver is joining us again. This is, I guess, uh, podcast number two, four, like, two in a row. But yeah, yeah. four total. So. Um, I mean, you should just buy stock in, in my business here, you know. Seriously, so, I need to start getting commission for these. Oh gosh, me too. <laughs> so. Yeah, so I'm here with uh, uh, Pastor Aaron um, and then uh, Clayton. He's a student at Swivets. Uh, but real quick, um, Aaron, I know you've been on here once. Mm-hmm. I think I think it was yep. once. Yep. So if you would just kind of refresh uh, the listeners of who you are and kind of what you do. I mean, I don't, you don't really do much, do you? I, I don't do much, yeah. no. So go ahead and re- kind of refresh. And okay. Uh, Aaron Scarborough, I pastor Grace U Baptist Church in Burleson. Texas. Uh, we planted in 2011, so we're getting ready to celebrate 10 years. Uh, I'm married. I have uh, five kids total. Uh, Paige and I have been married 20, it'll be 28 years this September. And uh, I'm waiting on a text any moment to find out if we had a grandchild that was born tonight. She's in labor right now. So uh, things are things are good. Uh, God's been God's been faithful, so and I uh, I love all things geek, so I was uh, stoked that you asked me to uh, to jump in on this tonight. Definitely, yeah. So our our the kind of conversation tonight is going to be about basically all things fantasy, and what we mean by what I mean by that is uh, the kind of the fantasy stories and movies that you know uh, most people know about, like Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, uh, maybe some other ones like Game of Thrones, or so we'll talk a lot about those about those uh, universes and those, those kind of those storylines and, and how those stories connect to the Christian life and what Christians kind of can kind of glean from those uh, stories and, 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 and those fantasies there. And we might get into some fun conversations like what is better, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, you know. I mean, that's kind of an easy question, I feel like, so, but we'll see. We'll see who, uh, let's see who uh, gives the hot take here. In a, in, a, in a little bit, <laughs> we can we can feel a lot of things, Jared. Yeah, but yeah. What yeah, that's is, a good point. What yeah. is true is another question. That is true. It's not a philosopher there. Yeah. Feelings fluctuate. Faith fortifies. Just remember that, Jared. Thank you. Okay, I'll have to get a tattoo of that or something. No, I'm not. I'm just joking. I'm not going to say. Mom. Don't let your mom hear this <laughs> now. <laughs> You're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Lisa, Mama Lisa, she's the best. Um, yeah, Happy Mother's Day, Mom. It's Monday. Happy, I, I, happy I late Mother's Day. Did you call her yes, yesterday? Like uh, multiple times. Multiple mo- you called her multiple times yeah, to I say Happy Mother's her Day. Once, and then she had to go, and then she called me back. Ah, uh, okay. Think, so okay. Yeah. So anyway, um, but uh, yeah. No, so this is gonna be a fun conversation. I know, I know Clayton. Um, I mean, me and Clayton. Some of our most intense conversations have been about these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and most of our hangout time is watching movies yeah. such as these. For real, yeah. I, honestly, like movies. Uh, TV shows, stuff like this is just, I love it. I love watching movies and stuff like that. It's just, it's a lot of fun. And, and sometimes you get to glean spiritual truths from it that you can, that encourages you or maybe helps you 
uh, understand certain things in life. So it's pretty cool. So uh, real quick, let's let's start off with the the basic question. So a lot of people, especially Christians, maybe fundamentalists, uh, maybe even you know like typical maybe Southern Baptists would say, you know, we shouldn't have any part of you know Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings or Chronicles of Narnia or, or anything like that. So. Maybe we should start with Harry Potter because that's like the most common one. Like, should a Christian be able to like have the freedom to watch it, read those books, or is that something Christians should stay clear from? And why would you say what you say on that answer? Well, I would say yes, they should have the freedom to do that. I don't think there's um, necessarily a a explicit theology of fiction in the Bible, but my my personal view on um, any sort of fiction, whether it be reading or movies or anything like that, um, I try and leave it very much up to the individual believer. What do they feel they can handle? Um, if it's something that they feel convicted over, then by all means, don't don't do that. Don't you know? I think Martin Luther said it was it's a sin to go against your conscience. If it's bugging you, don't don't bother with it. You know, it's not, it doesn't make somebody better or worse if they engage or if they don't. Um, and then nonetheless, we should be generous either direction, no matter what a person chooses to engage with. That's my view. Yeah, that's good. Good deal. Uh, Aaron, what do you think? Yeah, I, uh, I, I agree with everything Clayton just said. I think that uh, I, look at, I look at the things that when Paul is discussing the Gentile believers um, with the Jews and talking about, you know, what are these, what are we holding them to? And what is the standard and what are these things? And there seems to be a, a sense of, of uh, liberty and freedom as long as it's not a binding of the conscience. Um, and so I try to try to use that philosophy when it comes to uh, these types of, these types of issues. Uh, and so this it, it maybe this will rabbit trail a second, but I think it's important to the conversation. Is I think some of the reasons that Christians land in those stay away from everything is the teaching of being separate from the world that permeated so many uh, Baptist churches for so long. Right. Um, and in the end of the day, the the, the separation of the world uh, thought processes. Um, really weren't based in good biblical exegesis. Uh, they were dealing more with um, you know, the theocracy that Israel was under and not really translating it well into what it means to be a person who is not under a national Israel, but we are under a national America, but cr with, with Christ ascended and ruling and reigning in the spiritual realm. So it, it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a sticky situation uh, that's why I, I hold to where where the conscience is where is guiding us in this and the guidance of the Holy the Holy Spirit within us. Right. Right. So I mean obviously like Harry Potter, I would definitely distinguish between Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings just based on the fact that Tolkien was a I mean he was um, was he he was Anglican, right? He was Catholic. Um, or he, oh, he was so yeah, that was C S Lewis. I get them mixed up with their their religious uh, identification. But so I Remember C S Lewis came to have Protestants read books. Right. That's why right. he came. Right. That was the purpose of his life. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Look, I guess we yeah. stopped there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
we okay. Those of y'all that know this, uh, uh, we have a C.S. Lewis scholar in the house. So, uh, <clears throat> Mr. Clayton, he he loves C.S. Lewis, and uh, but you know, he's not the main topic of today. But I'm sure his name will come up quite often. Absolutely, yeah. I will be sure of it. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, if you want to know all things CS, let's go listen to my, the previous podcast. I just released it. Yes, um, good plug. There you yeah, go. There you go. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, like Harry Potter. There's there's this kind of um, maybe a, a maybe a, even a spiritual difference to some <coughs> extent between that and say you know Lord of the Rings or Chronicles of Narnia. So, what would you you know what would you tell someone that that says hey like we shouldn't watch Harry Potter and, and read the books specifically because of the dark magic presented in it in the in the the like you're as you're following this story of harry potter who is who's a wizard and he grows up to be a famous wizard because of what he experienced in his life and obviously um the things that he does in the series like like what is the what if there is a difference what would be the difference um like is there a difference i guess is my question between that and lord of the rings and the magic presented there and if there is or isn't, like, why would that be the case? Sure, there, there would be a difference. If somebody phrased it to me the way you just phrased it, because there's dark magic in it, I would want to know what they mean by that. But <clears throat> there is a difference, sure, because guys like Tolkien and Lewis, when they wrote Narnia or Lord of the Rings, you know, they're doing it for a specific purpose of portraying Christian values and Christian truth um, more explicitly, um, Lewis more explicitly than Tolkien, and we'll get into that, you know, later right, right. but the, that was the their their faith and their theology was driving their story right um which is true of every author um i mean a fiction story is simply an author telling you how they view the world um whether it's a christian worldview or not you know you can glean from their story how they view the world what they think is important what they think is true things of that nature um so yeah it is different that you know J.K. Rowling probably wasn't writing from a Christian worldview. Um, but I think you bring up a good point in that what we need to do is we need to examine the purpose of the story, the purpose of the writing. Um, and I think I was having a conversation last night with a friend of mine, and he was always, he brought up the objection that in the Old Testament, God forbids Israel from engaging with people groups who practice witchcraft. Right, yeah. That's in the Bible. Um, but then... I have to ask myself, what's the purpose? And I think the purpose is just the reason he told them to not engage with any of the groups of Israel or of Canaan um, is that he knew these people were practicing it for the purpose of worshiping something other than God explicitly. And they were going to be led astray if they engage with that. Um, I'm not necessarily willing to concede that J.K. Rowling's purpose is that, is to lead somebody astray from Christianity. Um, maybe I could be persuaded, but I'm pretty stubborn. Um, but I, I don't think that's the purpose. And I think that when you see that the purpose is not that, maybe it's something different. There are still things, even in a Christian worldview, you can actually glean from non-Christian stories and then reimagine them under a Christian worldview to make, right. to make better sense of them and even use them for gospel conversation and things like that. It's what Paul did at the Areopagus in, in Acts 17. He understood the philosophers that he was talking to and even quoted their philosophers to them but said you know you know this to be true but let me put it in my framework and show you how it makes better sense from my worldview things like that so there's a little apologetics for you all right yeah that's yeah that's good mm -hmm. and you got, you got anything to add to that yeah i would just argue uh that the 
the Old Testament reference, I think, uh, I think you're missing the point of the 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 the, the command. Um, I think one of the one of the reasons that they were talking about divination in the Old Testament and not to associate with them was because of the purpose of divination. Um, huh. We have a we have a new guest. Hello, Luther. Dog. Luther is now out here hanging out Say with hello, us. Um, he should be fine. Yeah. Um, so one of the purposes of divination in the Old Testament, why they were supposed to stay away from it, was because divination was driving to manipulate their gods in order to do something for them. And so they were trying to understand God's communication. They were trying to understand um, how they could make their foreign God do what they needed them, them to do. And so God, with Israel, is he's saying, I'm not the one to be manipulated. I'm the one, I'm the one to be worshipped. Right. And so if you bring into these pagan practices into Israel, what you're going to be doing is you're going to try to ultimately make yourself God, and now I'm not. Right. And so if you understand the, the, the injunctions for divination and staying away from them in the Old Testament, it's really a tough sell to bring it across um, into, into, these, into these times. Now, I will say, you know, ultimately witchcraft is a self-reliance and a manipulation type of practice right it's not it has nothing to do with with um you can't be a christian who worships god and be a witch right right but that's not to say that as christians we can't learn something about good and evil or see something good and evil in that world right and we can't um see it through a Christian world view. And so watching Harry Potter, for instance, I'm not looking at it to learn how to be a witch. Right. I'm actually looking at it because I want to see the story and I want to see what's going on in it uh, because I'm coming to it from that that perspective. Yeah. Um, and when I took my kid, I mean, Jordan, my daughter, she was way into Harry Potter when she was young, when they were coming out. I took her out of school every single time that a Harry Potter show, movie released on opening day, and we would go watch it. And it right. was something that she did, but it allowed me to have conversations with her about the differences between a secular worldview and a Christian worldview right. um, in those in those times. So, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, would you even go far, as far to say that like real witchcraft is very much distinguishedly distinguishedly different than the the witchcraft found in Harry Potter. I, I mean, I would think there's there's a difference cuz when I look at when I watch Harry Potter, I'm not they're not worshiping the devil. They're not, you know, doing anything to conjure up spirits as far as I understand it in that sense, demonic forces or whatever. It's for the it's just like a it's ontological difference. It seems like like it, it, it looks more like what you would see in Lord of the Rings. Like it's a it's a, a force that they're they're using to it's an it's an element of the story. It's the primary element of the story, right? Just like there's an element of magic in in Narnia, Lord of the Rings, and 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 whatnot. Um, but it's not the purpose. The magic is not the purpose of the story. The story right. is to communicate something. And there's, like like Aaron said, there's a lot to be gleaned from it, even for a Christian. Just the the tension of good and evil, and um, a bunch of different things. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I mean. It just seems like it's when I, because I, I have a I have a relative who is a Wiccan, um, 
hmm. she, she would identify as a Wiccan. And so, really, if you don't know what Wiccan that that religion is, or you know whatever you want to call it, um, it's not about it's. A lot of the people don't practice it just for the sake of like the the witchcraft. A lot of them do it because it's a sexual cult, basically. That's what it is. Like um, most Wiccans that I've heard about or read about or met, they're polygamists. But a lot of them are anyway, and that's because they want to practice that in 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 as they're practicing their quote unquote religion. And so, I guess when I look at that and I compare it to something, say Harry Potter, it's there's something different that J.K. Rowling is presenting to viewers and, and readers is it's just a a different it's not i don't see satan being elevated in that world i see just some type of practice being done to you know defeat an enemy you know or whatever mm-hmm. i don't know i'm maybe i'm not explaining it well enough but i just think that there, there is there seems to be a difference and that's why i think when i explain to people like okay i watch harry potter i think it's fun because it's not it's not the same kind of witchcraft that Jesus forbids, mm-hmm. and that the Old Testament nations, you know, um, were, were practicing, yeah. and the, the pagan nations like that. So that's where I would land on it. But I don't know what what else do y'all think. Uh, any anything you want to add to that? No. no. Yeah. No. Luther, you got anything? Luther. Luther has an itch. Is what yeah. Luther has. Yeah. Yeah. Luther. Luther yeah. always has an itch. So that's what Bassett Downs do. <laughs> So, um, so we talked about a little bit about you know Christians being able to 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 absorb the kind of the truths of of these of these stories, specifically Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, stuff like that. But what benefit, specifically, what benefit do Christians have to watch Harry Potter or read Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings or you know, etc.? Well, I think this is where my guy would come in handy. Actually, what guy? Who's your guy? my guy? The guy you have me saved in as your phone. Oh. Like, oh yeah, that yes, yes. We talked about him last week, but C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis. It's interesting. I don't even know if we mentioned this last week. C.S. Lewis actually came to faith with Tolkien using the idea of myth and fiction. We did, yeah. To share the gospel. Oh, yeah, with him. You say it again. Yeah, yeah. So they're talking in his offices at Oxford, and and they're talking about mythology, and both Tolkien and and Lewis and a bunch of literary experts, especially at Oxford, they viewed myth as something as a story that was fiction but a fiction story that that communicated something that was true and um c.s lewis called it transposition where the higher the lower things become higher things so in our everyday world we can't necessarily see see clearly things like truth or goodness or beauty so in a fiction story, these things are magnified in this grand epic narrative to where you can see them more clearly and how they work. Um, and Tolkien used that type of logic to show that Christianity was the myth that came true. And it was the story that reveals ultimate reality and ultimate truth. Um, and it, it convinced him because of his understanding of, of these stories. So I think in the same way, those can be valuable to us that's why they wrote narnia and lord of the rings is to is to enhance these christian ideas that aren't necessarily easy to see in everyday life so that we can better learn about them that's good right yeah i think another aspect of it is is just understanding how god created humans you know god gave us the ability to imagine and create and in the garden God gives Adam 
the instruction to name the animals. When I thought about that, I thought, you know, how creative did he have to be to be able to come up with language that described something that was new? Have you ever tried to name something new? No. No, it's hard. Yeah. And he had yeah, no point of reference for anything. Right. You know, we could say, that kind of looks like a dog. Or, you know, yeah. that, 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 that has similarities to a fish. But he used, he had creativity and imagination and abilities to be able to do that. And, I, and, and that was ingrained in him by God. Yeah. Right. And when we think about creativity and imagination, you see it in all children. Mm-hmm. You know, all, all five of my kids, we would play games when they were young, you know, as we're driving down the car. What does that cloud look like? You know, and they're like, oh, it looks like a, a looks like a king or it looks like a dragon or it looks like this. You know, and you look at it and you're like, how are you seeing that? But to them, it's it's clear as day because yeah. they, they, they're able to use their creativity. For me, as a almost 45-year-old man, one of the things that fantasy movies do is it allows me to tap into some of that imagination, creativity, and appreciate the fact that God gave me the ability to think this way and 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 love things that aren't necessarily what I see on a daily basis, um, but I can really appreciate it. And I think sometimes we we don't look for ways to worship God in just the way that He designed us. And I'm not saying when I'm watching Harry Potter, I'm like just having a praise session in the, on my couch or anything. In the middle, sure in the middle of the theater. I'm That's sure right. Yeah, I'm going on charismatic. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I do walk away going, man, the reason that I appreciate that is because God designed me to be able to appreciate right. that. Yeah. And so it's something that, it's something that just allows me to, to, to see it from a little bit of a, a different view. Yeah. And, and I really like that because of that. Right. Yeah. Well, I like, I mean, it's not, I like what you said. It's not just, he designed us to work this way, but then he, and he invited us to participate in the task of being creative and, 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 uh, naming the animals. And then we reflect that, you know, because God, the first, the first attribute we see in God in the Bible is God as creator. That's the first thing we see. And then if we're made in God's image, it would make sense to reflect that as part of also being creative and being creators ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and to, to do the same thing. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think about, I mean, just the simple fact of, of seeing, you know, in, in stories like Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings, just seeing the, the creativity that, that you know, those people, um, the, the authors of those, those fantasies, that creativity they had to practice um, I mean, it came from somewhere. Obviously, they were probably influenced by other authors and stuff like that. But in a sense, they were—they're basically reflecting God's general revelation in a way. You know, they're reflecting that God, like you said, like He's given us a, a creative mind to and express to, to practice and express that in, in different ways. You know, I, I agree. We, we should be able to worship God uh, in an indirect way, not start worshiping. What they've done, obviously, because that's yeah. idolatry. But yeah. uh, but in a well, sense, not even just the general revelation. I mean, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is an allegory of, you know, very special revelation. Right. And and again, blowing up the narrative and expanding the narrative to give us a picture of 
what our predicament is and who God is and how he got us out of it. Yeah, of sin and um, righteousness and justification and, and, yeah. and all those things. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, my favorite character in the entire Narnia series is Edmund. Wow, but when that's we, a hot take. Yeah, but when we first—I mean, when we first see Edmund, he—he he just sucks. You know, he's—he's he's selfish. He's arrogant. He's—he's yeah. he's prideful. He's out for himself, mm-hmm. and he gets—I mean—should have been killed for it. And then Aslan, of course, you know, spoiler alert, dies for him and dies in his place, and um, we see the the redemption narrative, and he talks about later. Edmund does, and the horse and his boy. Um, when they capture a traitor and he's like, even a traitor may mend. I know one that did. Um, and you see this this transformation that comes from that. That's very special revelation that's just illustrating um, the, right. you know, the salvation story. So, uh, you know, we talk, we're talking about kind of general benefits of, of Christians uh, watching these, you know, participating, watching these, these fantasies. But what are some specific, I mean, you kind of kind of highlighted that a little bit, but what are some specific spiritual truths you glean from it? I mean, we can probably go on about, like, you know, Lord of the Rings and Chronicles of Narnia, but, mm. you know, what, what are some specific, spe- specific spiritual truths you've gleaned from those yeah. series? Well, I'll, I'll give you one more, then I'll, I'll let Aaron go. So, like, since we were talking about Harry Potter, um, you see um, a couple things that I see a little more clearly than others. Um, one, in the Deathly Hallows, the last book, there is a a sacrifice and a resurrection that Harry has to um, be ultimately, if you haven't read the books yet, I'm sorry, but ultimately has to be killed by the bad guy, Voldemort. Spoiler alert. Yeah. I'll put that in the description. Yeah. Spoilers. Yeah, spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he has to be killed um, ultimately to, to defeat um, Voldemort. Right. Um, but then... Spoiler alert, he's brought back to life, and that's how he defeats him. And there's a lot more to that. You have to read the book. Um, but then kind of tied into that as well, um, you see that um, part of Voldemort, the bad guy's soul, lives in Harry. And for Harry to truly be free of Voldemort, and for the Wizarding World to be free of Voldemort, the part of, the, of Voldemort's soul that's in Harry has to be killed. And there's a, you know, I think there's a, a great illustration there of the sin that's in us having to die to that to become who we truly are and to become free and, and to be the person we were meant to be. And, um, and then this, there's some really good quotes. I mean, one of my favorite quotes ever, it's actually pinned on my Twitter profile. It's from Dumbledore at the end of um, The Goblet of Fire. He says, dark and difficult times lie ahead. Soon we must all face the choice between what is right and what is easy. So I just love that quote. Yeah, Dumbledore's not all bad. No. Yeah. No, that's a great one. That is a good quote. That's a great one. Yeah, I think um, I was sitting here racking my brain like which one, you know, in my, I drifted to, I drifted Lord of the Rings, surprise. Um, I stole one. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and the corruption of sin um, as evidenced in Gollum. Um, and how, you know, he was this human Right. Well, Hobbit. He was Hobbit. Yeah. Um, before he got the ring. Yeah. And as he treasured the ring, as he um, worshipped the mm-hmm. ring, um, it divided him. Um, it it corrupted him. Um, it made him chase after the ring more and more and more. And 
it just shows for me the effects of sin and how if it's not dealt with in a person it just leads to destruction yeah ultimately you will chase the ring into Mount Doom that's good yeah and it will it will <laughs> I've got so many Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yeah. I could do a Lord of the Rings illustration every Sunday if I wanted. Dude, hey, I'm yeah. But I mean, I can't. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, because I want Jesus to be the hero, not Lord no, of the you're Rings. Right. You're right. That's right. Good point. But you know, that's that's one of the things that I just when I watch Lord of the Rings and I see the progression of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just see that when you treasure something other than Jesus, when you treasure sin, the only place it ends is in destruction. Right, and so that's one of the things that that I see when I a specific. Yeah, my my favorite one from Lord of the Rings is the 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 three types of messiahs that oh, yeah. that that Tolkien uses the prophet, priest, and king from the Old Testament that he uses. Let's see if I get it right. King is Aragorn. Prophet is Gandalf. No, prophet is Frodo. No, prophet is Gandalf. No, priest is Frodo. Yeah, priest, priest is Frodo. Is Frodo. Yeah, because yeah. he's carrying the yeah. carrying the sins of the yeah, people. He, yeah. Yeah, so that and then I, I like I like that illustration that it that those three characters can teach me something about Jesus and that um, the hobbits Frodo and the rest of the hobbits can also be a, a good illustration um, for the Christian journey and um, I see a lot of similarities with Frodo and Christian from Pilgrim's Progress by Paul Bunyan. Oh yeah, just the journey that they have to go through. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, like like you said, Aaron, there's so many that you can. I mean, just. I can think of probably a thousand. I think my favorite one, probably favorite kind of maybe lesson we can learn throughout um, the the movies and, and the books is, is actually found in, in, I don't know if it's in the book as well, I forgot, but specifically in the movies there's a scene where um, you have Mary and Pippin, they're with, tree, is it Treebeard? Mm-hmm. Uh, tree, they're hanging out with Treebeard and they're trying, Mary and Pippin are two hobbits in, in, in this in this story and and they're trying to convince Treebeard and the other Ents to go and, and fight Sauron and Saruman and, and try to try to save the day or do their part. Uh, and they were trying to, you know, this is your world too. Like, you need to fight for this too. And so they're like, uh, they're, they're at the end of the road. They're like, these guys aren't going to do anything. These, these Ents are not going to do anything. They're just going to sit here and, and, and do nothing. And so I, I, I think it was, uh, was it, it was Pippin that said, we just need to go home. Talking to Mary, we need to go home, go back to the Shire. We still have the Shire, but, you know, who cares about what else, you know, what else happens outside the Shire? We, we have the Shire as our home. We can go back there and, and stay there and be safe. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Mary looks at Pippin and says, but we, but yeah, we, we might have the Shire now, but we're not going to, always have the Shire. The Shire will not always be there if we allow evil to continue to 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 do its thing and to spread throughout all the Middle Earth. And so he was I, th- I thought that was fantastic because it, I think it shows how like Christians like our war is not against flesh and blood. It's against the, the spiritual powers of darkness. Mm-hmm. But I think it, it kind of I think that lesson encourages us to to stand strong and to not just be comfortable at home, mm-hmm. not just go back home and, 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 and be content there. We should be always willing to, in whatever capacity that may be, to, to go forth and, and to, 
to fight the Christian battle in the way that we're called to, not with yeah. swords and you know whatever, but with with truth and yeah. with scripture and with whatever uh, capacity that 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 um, lends itself to. So I I really just love that because I mean Mordor, I mean Mordor is a real place in a sense. <laughs> it's it's real in the sense that like. Mm-hmm. It represents evil and darkness, and we live in a world where there is evil and darkness, and it is spreading. I mean, we we see it all the time. We see it in our culture, and all that. And um, and if we if we don't do our part to stand for truth, to preach the gospel, to raise godly kids, or what, or disciple students, or you know, do whatever, teach yeah. at a seminary, and, and train future pastors to do apologetics or whatever, it's. It's uh, if, if we don't do those things, then Mordor will win. Yeah. When Sorry. you think about you think about the characters of the story, all of the characters, all of the all of the characters on the good side, all of them end the story, not just in a better place, but as a better person right. than when they started, and that good, yeah. yeah, it only came through that encounter with with the battle against evil, and how you think about who the hobbits were in the Shire. Ignorant, happy, ready to just just live their lives in happiness, not knowing that there was this evil in the world just waiting to devour them. Mm-hmm. You know, like Peter says, the, the devil prowls around like a, a roaring lion. The lion's there whether you want to acknowledge it or not. Right. And it's only, it's only through, like James says, it's only through the trials that we see their faith becoming mature and complete, and they really start to grow, and it only happens... Um, it's convicting for me when you step out of your safe world that you know and you actually have to engage with the evil in the world and usually more often the evil within yourself. Right, yeah. That's that's true. I think two scenes from one from Lord of the Rings and one from Narnia both dealing with the same issue but pictured in a little bit different ways Um, you know is, is when Aslan steps in and is sacrificed and the line, and I'm sure I'm going to misquote this. So Don't worry, I'm here. That, I appreciate yeah. that. Um, <laughs> you know, when he talks about he was there when the old magic was written. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, that line gets me every time. Yeah. So I'm just like, he, he knew what he was doing. He went voluntarily mm-hmm. to go into Edmund's place. Right. Um, the one that's not as explicit, but is the same picture from Lord of the Rings in Fellowship of the Ring is when when Gandalf is fighting the Balrog. Yeah. And it looks to everyone else like he just couldn't hang on and he slips and falls. Mm-hmm. But when you go to the two towers and they show it from Gandalf's perspective, you realize, no, he let go. Right. And he fell to fight the enemy, to die... And to come back yeah. as the White Wizard, mm-hmm. right? And you know when he talked about I fell and I went through the ages and you know all of those things, and then he comes back, you know, oh yeah, Gandalf, that's what they used to call me. You know, it's just <laughs> yeah. that yeah. You, you see this yeah. picture of him right. being the same, but now he is he is different. Right. It's 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 a picture of this glorified state, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing, Aslan wakes up and his mane is regrown. Right. And he, you know, he's able to roar and he's doing the things that just before when he was suffering and abused, he, he didn't have that anymore. And so you see pictures, clear pictures of um, 
the sacrifice, yeah. uh, the substitutionary sacrifice um, of Christ in those in those scenes. Uh, Aslan is pretty explicit. I mean, you don't you don't yeah. have to work real hard to see that no, one. The Gandalf one, you have to kind of think a little bit more about. Um, but both are pointing to the same right. the same imagery. Yeah, right. Uh, of that substitutionary, I'm going to go in. I'm going to fight the battle. I've got this. Um, and dies, but comes back. Right. That's awesome. I just I just love Aslan the character. I mean, of course I do. But um, just the way that Lewis wrote him, Lewis, especially the 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 dialogue he gave Aslan is so biblical and it's so good. Um, I remember my favorite Narnia book is The Magician's Nephew, the very first one. And um, I remember the creation of Narnia came from the, the singing of Aslan and the voice of Aslan. Mm-hmm. And that Aslan spoke Narnia into existence. Yeah. And, um, but also that he's, he's that. He's the, he's the lion that can speak and things come to be. But then when little Cedric Diggory, who just now learned um, who Aslan was, is... All he can think about is his dying mom and is is uh, laying there in tears. And he feels something wet on his head and he looks up and the lion is crying with him. Mm. You know, I'm good. I'm going to get emotional thinking about it, dead gummit. But and he just says, my son, I know grief is great. And that the, the, the transcendent creator that speaks things into existence is so imminent and close that he not only knows what you're going through, he experiences what you're going through. And he can relate to that. Right. Um, and that, that sort of Im- imagery. And I mean, I can go on and on about yeah. Aslan quotes and Aslan actions, you know, and you, you get into Prince Caspian and Peter's feeling high and mighty about his big battle plan and everybody else is trying to remind him, don't forget who really defeated the White Witch. Right. And their reliance on Aslan and... Yeah, that the way he wrote that character, it is strict allegory, and I like allegory. I'm I'm one of the people that actually like allegory, um, because I find it, I find it more devotional. You know, I find I find Lord of the Rings challenging, and it grows me because I do have to think about it. I find Narnia and allegory devotional, because I just it just gets told to me, and I get to be reminded of something that I already know. That's a good point. Yeah. Narnia is definitely more devotional. I can see that, and that's that's a good point. I've never thought of it that way, but I mean, Lord of the Rings. I, I think I like that because it's more typological, and I love typology so much. So maybe some of the listeners don't understand allegory and typology. Yeah, we're gonna go into that and define that a little bit more later. Okay. So I think I'm jumping ahead. So we'll mm. we'll save that for a few more topics down the road. Um, but the one thing I want to come back to with Lord of the Rings is, um, you know, in our day and age, you know, we we kind of look down upon, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe this is not the most fair thing to say for some people, but I think in general we we're now looking at a, kind of the the a love for your nation as a bad thing in a way for some people. Not not I don't think in our circles or whatever necessarily, but I hear that a lot. I think on the news, like you know, people when when they talk about America, like from from the perspective of, of a lot of U.S. Uh, citizens, they, they think of, they talk about America as a bad place. Mm. It's a horrible place. It's evil. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's just a horrible place. It's, you know, terrible. And in Lord of the Rings, you see Aragorn, you know, he becomes, eventually becomes the king, you know, in the, in the final movie there, in the mm-hmm. final book. Um, but, you know, Gondor is not the most, the greatest place ever either. 
you know it's not like it I mean it's a beautiful city but it's there's a lot of issues there they have a kind of fake not a fake king but he's like the, the steward. steward yeah steward they have a, a steward there ruling over the city temporarily waiting the true king to come mm-hmm. and so and so it, the, the city itself is not the greatest or that nation is not a, the greatest nation ever either it's not spotless at all but Aragon loves that mm-hmm. place he he is putting his life down for that place so I think I think it's it's cool to when I watch Northerns and I read the books it's to be Reminded that you know, yes, America is not perfect by any means. We have many of many flaws and issues, but at the end of the day, we need to take you know, we need to have a certain pride for our nation as a, as a people, and and kind of return to that that value. Um, that I mean, honestly, we we it doesn't make it as much sense to today when we're talking about this. But back in that day, I mean, you know, probably since modern times, before modern times. I mean, that's all you knew. That's all, I mean, that was your love. Like, your love was for your people. Like, the people that you grew up around, the people that you lived with. I mean, that was your nation. That was your people. Uh, that was your culture. And, and, and so, I don't know, like, stuff like that. That's not necessarily specific spiritual truth, but that's just uh, some kind of, uh, I guess, a lesson I've, I, I've gleaned from, from Lord of the Rings after watching it. Probably but I times. think that, but here's, and I would say just to add on to that, you have to remember, Aragorn was the king even when he was not enthroned. Right, right. He wasn't recognized. That he wasn't recognized, but, but he, he was. was, and so he had a special heart for his people. Right. Even though he was not enthroned yet, and the evil steward mm-hmm. who was over it um, was doing something with his kingdom that he did not. Um, approve of right and so very much there is a also a picture not only of the the nationalistic type of thought but there is also the picture of the fact that there is a prince of this world Mm -hmm. who rules satan as scripture says but that does not make him the king right and the king jesus is enthroned in the heavenlies right and one day will be enthroned on the earth when the evil stewards of this world will be destroyed and cast away. And so that picture of Gondor, um, it's, there's a reason it's called the White City in the book. And it's because ultimately this is where the king sits and the king is enthroned um, and the people come and bow down and worship him. Right. Um, and so it's a, I love the fact that you can take that and that's the beauty of, that's the beauty right here, what we're saying. This is the beauty of fantasy, is when you have fantasy, you can look at things and you can go, oh yeah, there's a lesson in this. And if I look at it this way, there, there's, a, there's a lesson here and there's, there's a lesson here. Um, so that's, that's just one of the beauties of, of fantasy. Yeah, definitely. I, that, was, that was good. That was a good, good point in, in addition to that point there. Um, I mean, we could go on all day, I think, talking about different... I mean, we talk about brotherhood and Lord of the Rings where Sam and Frodo, their relationship and how, mm-hmm. like, Sam loves Frodo. And I know in this environment, you know, this overly sexualized environment, <laughs> people say... Yeah. I've heard people say, oh, well, they're gay together. It's like, no, like, they just love each other, mm-hmm. like, with a brotherly love. Yeah. And, and, and just how Sam is the real MVP of the series. <laughs> I mean, Sam Sam is... He he's, is... He's, yeah. he's, he's a... He's a man. The truest thing Frodo ever said is that he never would have gotten anywhere without Sam. Right. That's that's true. That's absolutely true. <laughs> so.
<laughs> Luther's over here. Banging on the table. Yeah. Luther's trying to over here start a reformation. Yeah. Every day he wonder, tries to do yeah, it. I Every day. Why you uh, named him. Uh, named him Luther. Well, our first dog was Calvin, and mm. then the second one is Luther. What will the next one be? Zwingli. Edward, maybe. Um, I don't know. I, I I told Paige. I said if we get a brother while he's still alive, we'll call him Melanchthon. Um, and she goes, "We're not calling our dog Melanchthon. You got to go with an. Yeah. You got to go with an Anabaptist." <laughs> when, when Paige isn't looking, just, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so we're talking about typology and mm-hmm. and, and, um, and you haven't even got us started on the MCU yet. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see if we yeah. have time there for that. But um, I would like to get the MCU eventually. Um, but that's uh, another episode. Yeah, probably <laughs> so. That's that's probably that's probably true. So, um, typology and and allegory. What are what's the difference between those two terms? So allegory is more one-to-one correlation. So Narnia is an allegory. Aslan is the Christ figure. Right. Aslan is there as a character to show us who God is. And the children are there as the representatives of humanity. And there's the white witch to represent evil. And it's there's a one-to-one correlation. It's right. a lot more clear and explicit. Whereas... It can have you can you can glean multiple lessons from it, but there's really kind of a main point that's there to be made. Whereas in Lord of the Rings, there's a main narrative, but there's not a direct correlation from any one character or any one plot to anything biblical or any sort of specific agenda. It's kind of telling a story, and you can there's there's freedom in it to mold it a lot of different ways. It's right. it's a so like the the um, Gandalf and Aragorn and Frodo as types of messiahs. Right. So they Frodo in its, Frodo in and of himself as a character is not enough to show me who got who Jesus is the way Aslan is by himself in that narrative. Right. But he is a type of Christ, and and Aragorn is a type of Christ and, and things like that. Um, so there's 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 more flexibility in it. Yeah. Um, so as Tolkien, Tolkien and Lewis were kind of just telling stories and then their faith kind of just overflowed into it as a natural outflowing of who they are. Right. You got anything to add to that, Aaron? Or? Nope. That was That's, great. That, so y'all know the, uh, the differences there between allegory and typology. So, so, you know, is, so I guess Harry Potter wouldn't, you wouldn't even go there in terms of typology because it's not a, like we said earlier, it's not a, I mean, if you had to make me pick, I'd say more typology than right. allegory because there's not a. I don't think Rowling has an explicit message she's trying to get out for any one character, any one plot. There, there's yeah, I don't think there, so. There's either. flexibility yeah. within that. Yeah, I I, I would approach Harry Potter with more like thematic type of yeah right uh, observations than anything. So. Okay, cool. So um, so what is I guess your favorite? I mean, I don't even, no, I don't even think it, I would have to ask you, Clayton, what your favorite, um, your favorite fantasy world is, just based, and the listeners don't even probably need to know either, because, what is they, it? I, mean, I would assume it's, uh, the, uh, oh wait, could be, what Harry is it? Po- I would say either Harry Potter or Narnia, one of the two. Personally, and this is where Lewis helps me out again, Lewis distinguishes a difference between the best and your favorite. Okay, well, all right. My Fav- favorite, favorite, yeah, favorite. my favorite, favorite yeah. is Harry Potter. Okay. That's my favorite. So why is it your favorite? That's my favorite story ever. Probably a lot to do with the nostalgia. It's something me and me and especially my dad grew up 
me and my dad went to every movie together, even the new Fantastic Beast ones. Every Wizarding World movie that's come out, me and my dad have gone to see together. Um, my oldest brother was, I think, the first person in our family to read Harry Potter, so he kind of got into it. And then my middle brother and his family are kind of getting into it now. So the family as a whole kind of enjoys that one, so it's a little more nostalgic, nostalgic in that yeah. nature. Gotcha. Um, but I do just I do just enjoy it. I'm also, as a Lewis lover, I'm just a fan of British culture and... You know, it taking place over there is nice, and uh, it's just a preference thing. And that's one thing about all these fantasy worlds is I think the reason I love them all is because it has a specific aesthetic to it mm-hmm. in all of them. That is just really, I think, cool. Like, yeah. in Lord of the Rings, it's more, it's medieval, but it's uh, not really British. It's just, I guess, uh, what is it, Anglo-Saxon? Maybe yeah. Anglo- uh, but it would be maybe, I yeah. guess, a, a kind of English, mm-hmm. um, such Irish yeah, Irish um, mm. aesthetic to it or whatever. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, specifically then, yeah. Lewis, Lewis was fascinated with Norse mythology. So you have a lot of... But, but he draw he draws on all different types of mythology. That's why Tolkien honestly didn't like them because he mixes a bunch of worlds. But mainly he's into... Um, he personally enjoyed Scandinavian myth and Norse myth and, and things of that nature. And you see a lot of those in Narnia. So yeah, it, they do have a certain feel. Right. So what about you? I've been thinking about this since you sent the questions yesterday. It should be a question. Come on. Well, I, I would say the thing that I my go to is Lord of the Rings. Right. Um, and, and to be sure, I think with all of us, these are very thin lines. Yeah. We're not like my favorite Harry Potter, but if it's like, hey, we're having a Lord of the Rings marathon, I'm there. Right. Like, yeah. I'm in. Yeah. You know? It's not like you. Yeah. yeah. So I. So Lord of the Rings, if if I've got a rank, you know, Lord of the Rings is probably number one. But then you gotta throw in like the MCU and you gotta throw in Star Wars and you gotta throw in that stuff for me oh, as yeah. well. Right. Mm-hmm. Because those universes, though they might be like more sci fi, they still have fantasy elements to them and so right. mm-hmm. uh, but I think I think Lord of the Rings is probably my my number one. Yeah, um, no, I agree with you. I mean, Star, Star Wars is kind of a different animal, but I don't know. Like these, the newest movie. I mean, this is. I know this is a hot yeah. topic. Yeah, but the newest, like, uh, another debate for another episode again. I know, yeah. The newest uh, Star Wars movies. We just might just have to do a part two. We're just not my my cup of tea. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't know if I've heard you even said this. The what you think about the newest? Yeah, that's another episode. Okay. All right. We'll go. <laughs> we'll go there another day. Um, but yeah, so uh, Lord of the Rings is your favorite, and you know, Harry Potter. I would I would go with, with you, Aaron. I'm, I'm a Lord of the Rings fanatic. Um, Every time I get in your car, the soundtrack is playing. <laughs> yeah. Which for sure. Which okay, for, but I have to admit, I write every sermon to a Harry Potter soundtrack. Do you really? 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 Every week. I need to listen to it. Any okay. specific movies soundtrack? Usually, Order of the Phoenix. Mm, that is my favorite one. I, guess, I love soundtracks. Usually, I so. so Every week when I'm writing sermons, um, I'll just tell my Alexa to start playing, and we have I have the Lord of the or the Harry Potter soundtrack running in the okay. background uh, while I'm writing, just because it's just it's just something I've done for years. Yeah. So you have a uh, uh, witchcraft, uh, witchcraft. Music yeah, yeah. Witchcraft <laughs> playing while I'm yeah. working through the Bible. No so wonder your sermons are so sketchy. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I don't know why anybody listens to them. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, that's interesting. Um, I I think uh, like the Lord of the Rings, like some of the songs, I just I every love. time I get in your car, you're listening to Lord of the Rings. I love it every like, time. It's just which I mean, yeah, excellent soundtrack. That's part of 
I, I rotate. I do Lord of the Rings. I do Harry Potter. I do um, the Narnia soundtrack is okay. Um, it could have been better, but I bet the new ones that Disney's going to put out are going to be really good. The the Netflix, you mean? The or ne- Netflix. The Netflix yeah, series. The Netflix. I'm so excited for that, and I'm I'm honestly not even very concerned about if they'll mess it up or not. To be honest, so yeah, I think those will be very good. Yeah. I just saw your your pictures there. Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. Cool deal. Yeah. Um. So yeah. No. I think um, I think the soundtracks are in a weird way very important to the story for some reason. I just that's just my personal. Oh no, m- music is a character in the right. story. That's true. Mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to think of like my favorite part of the Lord of the Rings uh, trilogy that just like the music just. Mine's just the the Hobbit theme or what's it called? The Shire. Concerning Hobbits. Yeah, yeah the, the Shire. Just um, the do 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 do. Yeah, that that is a good one. I really enjoy it. Just very peaceful and. Yeah. yeah, it's happy. It's it's joyful in, in a weird way. Yeah. So we uh, every year I go to a, a preaching workshop called Simeon Trust. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. It's <laughs> awesome. Um, and uh, we talk about one of the sessions is always talking about the melodic line of scripture. Oh, right. Hi, Luther. <laughs> Luther was excited about that. He did. Um, and finding the melodic line through whatever book that you're working through. And one year, the guy that was presenting used soundtracks as the example. Okay, yeah. And he talked about, and he used Rocky as the example. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the da 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 And he, he showed how through all of the Rocky movies at different places, the soundtrack was, the same movements of music were being moved, used. Sometimes it was fast, sometimes it was slow, sometimes it was a minor key, sometimes it was a major key, mm-hmm. but it was always the same. And he was showing how a melodic line through a movie um, expresses something that keeps the flow together, but also expresses the tone of what's going on in the scene. Right. And um, Lord of the Rings, if you go through the trilogy, they do an excellent job Absolutely. at that. Of using this the melodic line, uh, sh- having the music kind of give the tone for what's going on, as well as the action on the on the screen. Yeah, I agree absolutely. Um, so yeah, so so we've talked a little bit about our favorite fantasy universe. I mean, um, I mean, we the listeners know Middle Earth is the best, but it's a, I mean, it's all right. Is it, it's that objective? Yeah. <laughs> Probably not, but I mean, yeah, maybe maybe one. Maybe, maybe, maybe when Jesus comes back, he'll announce. Do we, do we want to discuss metaphysics, epistemology, and objectivity and things of that nature? Do you want to go there with me? Maybe maybe part two of this. That's right, that's right. <laughs> but that's another podcast. We have like other podcasts. Look, not everybody's a philosopher, that's okay? Right. That's I'm right. a theologian. That's, everybody's a philosopher. It's just are you a good one? I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I've been told that by philosophers. Okay. That's right, so. Oh, wow. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> Anyway, um, so now that we're uh, now the uh, juices are flowing here with the with the conversation, we got to get into the probably the most controversial uh, question of, of, of this. So, who is better? Who would win? Okay, well, we got to first kind of talk about what we're referring to here. But Dumbledore versus Gandalf, I would say, like my easy, I I prefer Gandalf as a character. Like I like him more. Like I think he's a better character personally. Not to say I don't like Dumbledore, but 
who wins in a battle? That's a different question. So let's go with like who's who do you like more, and like who do you like think would win in a battle? Well, again, <laughs> I think I like Dumbledore more because he's in the world that I like more. Right. You know, so again, slightly more. You know, one A, B, and C here, but um, and I also think he would win in a fight because killing curse. Hmm. <laughs> Because killing curse. It's cheating. It's a cheat code there. No. <laughs> but he has it because there's no morality. Also, also, <laughs> and I, also, I will say, to be honest, if you watch Gandalf's story, um, excluding the battle with the Balrog, because as you pointed out, that is an intentional sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Gandalf gets beat a good amount. Gandalf gets beat by Saruman, right? Yeah. Gandalf also, Gandalf also never faces the bad guy of the world one-on-one. The bad guy of Harry Potter not only faces Dumbledore, but he's the only person he actually is afraid of. Yeah, I don't know if we know if Sauron's actually afraid of Gandalf. I don't know if we can answer that one way or another. So I, don't, I, can't, I can't say that, that Dumbledore, like Voldemort being scared of Dumbledore is, is any... Hmm is any different. So I would argue that because Gandalf is one of the seven original wizards right. that was created in that world mm. um, and they were created to be the keepers of yeah. the world yeah. that there is a power within him not just longevity but there is a power that goes beyond his powers um, that he that he expresses and shows. Um, so I would say, and that's that's why I think he's a better character because I think he's a more complex character, right? Than Dumbledore. Um, but in a fight, Dumbledore's a bad mamma jamma. No, that's, and that's and, true. And that's the that's the, you're listening to Luther's squeaky <laughs> toy now. Um, There's two main villains in the Harry Potter world, and Dumbledore has actively defeated both of them. Right, and so I think that's why that's why I can say in oh, a fight, yeah. I'm not sure, but I think as a character, I think Gandalf is more complex. So right. that's why He's I, that's why too, that's why I would prefer him as well, over in it as a character. Yeah. No, and and. I mean, so Dumbledore is, he's literally a, just a, he's a dude. Like, he's a human being that has, is, just happens to be very powerful. Gandalf's basically an angel, as far as I understand yeah. it, in that world. You would say he's more of a deity. Yeah. He's, yeah, closer to, to deity, I would say. I don't know. I don't know if he's a deity per se, but yeah, definitely at least a more. A type of deity? I mean. A type. Yes. He has more spiritual powers. Yes. That's fair. So, but um, yeah, no, I mean, I get, I get why you would say, yeah. say uh, there is. I mean, there is a lot of. I mean, of course, it's 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 tough to compare worlds because I mean, the comeback is like, like, oh yeah, he defeated the big bad that couldn't even take over a school. You know, <laughs> I get it, yeah. I get it. But the whole world was still afraid of this guy. Yeah. You know, so um, and there is a lot of cheat code. magic in and of itself is a cheat code. Not only does he have a killing curse. He has the Elder Wand, which is the most powerful wand ever made. He, he has that. Yes. 
You know, so the, but Gandalf yeah. has a staff that carries his pipe. He does, which and is which is just not only powerful but practical. Exactly. And, and he has a horse that is it's literally the fastest horse in Middle Earth. Mm-hmm. So if Gandalf's about to die, he can just call his horse over and he can just run off. Yeah, but Dumbledore <laughs> can apparate. Uh, that's true. It's <laughs> too many. Yeah, he doesn't have to. I don't. Wait I don't have to wait on the horse. I can just leave. <laughs> that true. is true. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. So. Um, so Gandalf and Dumbledore, we talked about talked about them too. Um, so like, I guess what? Who is your favorite character in your favorite world? So my favorite character in Harry Potter. I'd have to think on that. I'm gonna let you go. Favorite character in Lord of the Rings. Oh man, it's so hard. Okay, do you have at least a few names? Yeah, so at the top? so Sam is one of my favorite characters in Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings, um, right. not because he's the main, but because his loyalty and integrity is compelling to me. Um, Aragorn is one of my favorites um, because of his journey from. I'm not worthy. I might turn into Isildur. Um, what if I let everybody down? You know, the weight of the crown right. to the place where he finally, where he finally accepts accepts his role. Um, so those two, they're kind of one A and one B for me. Um, Frodo's a good character, but it, to me, it's not. Those are the two that really... Right, he always gets captured. He's kind of a... Yeah, those are the two for me that are just... Yeah. You know, no matter what, um, they seem to exhibit things that I find compelling. Yeah, I gotcha. I I don't mean to steal yours, but that, that was what I was going to say. I was going to say between Sam and <coughs> and uh, Aragon, because I, I just... I would probably put Aragon 1A just because, like you said, like he he always seems to he has a humility about himself mm-hmm. that is just really cool to see. But yet he has, you know, this a power kind of a strength and power and, and, and courage um, that he kind of expresses throughout the series that is just just awesome and a sacrifice I and mean, just a very very much of a sacrifice attitude you yeah. know, throughout the entire series. I just I appreciate so much. Um, another, oh, but one right below them I, that's really grown on me ever since I was wa- I've been watching it more and more throughout the years is uh, Mary. I really like Mary's mm-hmm. character a lot because he he has that he kind of exhibits those same characteristics as Aragon and Sam, like that courage and that sacrifice and willingness to you know to stand up for others and to 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 do what needs to be done to save the world. You know, I mean he. And he's a hobbit, you know. You know, same with Sam, obviously. But uh, Mary's definitely one of those. It's just like he—he's not Pippin. He's not screwing up every <laughs> every scene. He's not making Gandalf mad constantly. Um, he has that courage and, and all that. Pippin's a, a cool character, though, too. Like just seeing his transformation mm-hmm. as well. But I, I would say probably you know Aragon, Sam, and Mary are right there. I mean, I love Gandalf too. I mean, they're all good. It's hard to say which one's the best. Uh, but um, have you? Don't just say they're all good. You sound like a fanboy. I know. Yeah, that's fine. Hey, I gave you my. my you did. Top, that's yeah. fair. So I'll give you. I'll give you two from Harry Potter. And before I do that, I'll just say for for Lord of the Rings, I think my favorites are Legolas and Gimli. 
I think their relationship oh, throughout the series is a great lesson for the church today. I'll just say that. Um, so my, my, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. The pastor over here disagreeing with that. No, we should do the odds. We should just kill kill each other. Yeah. <laughs> you know? oh, yeah. <laughs> so my my favorite two characters in Harry Potter are they're a little bit obscure. Are Neville Longbottom. And um, Horace Slughorn. Forgot his what? name. Forgot his name. That for came out of the Go with me. Field. Horace Slughorn in the movies, just on a sheer entertainment value, is my favorite character because he's hilarious. Right? And he's just goofy. I love it. But him as a character, those two as a character, Neville is great because Neville is a picture of using weak things to shame the strong and using fools to shame the wise. Everybody underestimates Neville. He's a joke. Um, he can't get anything right for every single book. He shows up in Seven, and he's arguably the hero of the Battle of Hogwarts because the sword of Godric Gryffindor does not present itself to Harry. It presents itself to Neville, that he is, yeah. that he is right. the, the worthy Gryffindor in right. that battle because when all hope was lost, the one guy who spoke out against Voldemort was Neville. Yeah, and that everybody underestimated him, but he right. was the one that stood up. And then for Slughorn, Slughorn was a professor when Voldemort was a student at uh, at Hogwarts and was tricked into telling Voldemort, then Tom Riddle, about how to create horcruxes, which is, for those of you who haven't read, is a way to split your soul and put it into these objects. So if you ever get killed, you can come back. Um, and he's the one that got tricked into saying that, and he's regretted that his whole life after what Dumbledore became. And Voldemort, you mean? That, what Voldemort became, yeah. But the idea that even despite that, Dumbledore invites him back and kind of gives him a bit of redemption, um, I, think, I think is a great lesson in, in grace and forgiveness and that our failures are not defined us, that God can still have a purpose for us, even despite um, us screwing up his world see I, I kind of thought you would say Snape because Snape is Snape, Snape Snape is what everybody wants you to say right yeah. and Snape is Snape is is brilliant Snape's the best plot twist I never saw coming and um, yeah I mean Snape is a great he is is a great character um, but and a very complex character one of my one of my favorite moments of Harry Potter is humor wise anyway they're at the Christmas party it's in I think it's in uh, Half-Blood Prince when mm-hmm. he, uh, Harry's there, and uh, Snape walks up to Harry and says, "Dumbledore is away, and you know he just wanted me to let you know to have a Merry Christmas or whatever." Mm. And, uh, and then, <laughs> I love, for some reason, I love this scene. It's just so. Where's he going? He just walks away. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, well, "Where is he at?" And he goes, "He just like kind of looks at him and just turns and walks away." <laughs> it's the greatest, and he just gives him yeah. a look like, "You think I'm going to tell you this?" Right. Yeah. I love that so much. Like it. For some reason, it's weird. It's just a random scene, but I love that. Love that scene. Yeah. Their, their relationship, Harry, Harry and Snape. Yeah. Is- Snape is yeah. Snape is a good is a good idea of, of not judging a book by its cover, and that you know, people get beat up by the world, um, but you know you can let it you can let it harden you, or you can you can respond right in a way that that's true. And Snape, I mean. At times, did both of those. Right. Um, Snape is another re- very good redemption story. That's true. So, how do you reconcile Snape's decision to kill Dumbledore? Um, 
in the ark. Like, how do you view... I don't know if reconciles the right word. How do you view that with him? Is it a... I'll do the right thing even if it's wrong? How do you how do you work through that? How do you work through that one? Yeah, it's it, it's tough because um, you know was it? I mean, was it murder? Because it was Dumbledore's idea. It was right. he did not want to do it, but he was being obedient and did it anyway. And Dumbledore had him do it so that everything they had been working for would be set into place. Um, and I think, yeah, I think that's a that's an incredible moment, the tension, especially once you read the seventh book and you know the whole story, mm-hmm. to look back at Snape's arc and know what was going on the whole time, the, the sacrifices that he went through. And um, it is, it's a good, it's a good debate that, you know, that maybe the right thing is not always what it seems or maybe the wrong thing is not always what it seems. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. That's a, that, that movie, Half-Blood Print is like such a, it's a, it's a the ending is just, I don't know, sh- just shaking. Yeah. Know, it's, yeah. It's crazy it, just how, it's it like set, the world. It's, it sets the world in complete and utter darkness with almost no hope. Right, right. I think that's why I like that movie just because it is that moment of like, Hopelessness, but knowing yeah. okay, there's other movies, yeah. obviously other books. Something's yeah, gonna because is I mean, if if there is any sort of typology or allegory, I would say that Harry is 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 a sort of Christ figure, at least in the seventh book, and Dumbledore Dumbledore is a God type, I would say, in that it's his plan that's at play the whole time, and and that he he's doing things that that they don't understand. Right. I don't know why he's doing it, but he knows exactly why he's doing it. And at that point, they probably even feel abandoned or defeated yeah. that the enemy had won. Right. Um, but Dumbledore, Dumbledore knew something that they didn't. So, to bring this back to where we started, can myth be written apart from eternal truths because it is being drawn on experiences and understandings in this world to where even if J.K. Rowling wasn't trying to communicate mm-hmm. spiritual right. truths, you just exposed, there was a, there's much in that that she is exposing, yeah. even though it's not intentional. And so can, can fantasy be written without exposing those things? Or is all fantasy, because it's based upon the world that God created going to communicate a truth about God and his world and good and evil um, even if it's not even if it's not intentional Mm -hmm. can it be written Mm -hmm. do you think can it be written yes I I would say it can and it is I think it just intrinsically is because I think um, there's obviously some theological caveats that I may not have time to make in this statement, but I think people are intrinsically either aware or drawn to the gospel story because it's the story of reality. And it, it plays a lot into the dissertation that I'm going to write for my PhD and, and Lewis, C.S. Lewis's argument from desire that we have this desire for something transcendent that we can't see or understand that just naturally wells up within us. Some sense it better than others. Some don't sense it at all, um, but, it, but it's there and... Um, 
he knew that a story, a story for him in his childhood is something that, that awoken that within him. I don't know if that's the right word. Awoken, awoked in him. Woke. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. But um, <laughs> that's something that stirred that longing within him, and he knew that that's one of the purposes of those stories is that when you, when you, bring, those, you bring those elements of reality to this grand scope, that it just like you're drawing out those principles, it's drawing out that longing within you to connect with it. He says, not only do we want to experience beauty, we want to be united with it. And I think people, because they are made in the image of God, even though as a lost person, that image is marred and broken by sin, the image is still there. And that image comes out even when we don't realize it. And it reflects in the way that we simply naturally as humans understand the world. Romans 1 says, believe it or not, we know the truth. Either we acknowledge it and follow it or we suppress it. But the idea of suppressing it means that it's still in there, right? And every now and then, maybe somehow it, it fights back and it kicks back. In a lot of ways, a very practical way we see it in every culture is in our stories. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Well, I think we talked, I don't know if we talked about this during the C.S. Lewis podcast or not. I think we discussed this either on or off the podcast. And, you know, I, I agree with you. I absolutely, I think everyone in a way, in a sense, is, is drawn to the gospel, whether it be through, you know, kind of like what J.K. Rowling does or, mm-hmm. or in other ways. But, yeah. Um, now, yeah, I mean, now to clarify for, for your for your listeners who may want to critique what I said, I, I know I'm well aware that First Corinthians says that no one seeks God. I didn't say they seek that, that they were seeking God. I just said that they were seeking. Yeah, they were, you know. Well, God puts yeah. morality in the hearts of men. Yeah, right, indeed. Right. Everyone is created in the image yeah. of God. Right. There is there is something in us, even if it is because we're broken by our sin and totally depraved. Right. We're not seeking after God, but there are things that come out in the way that God designed us. Right. Exactly. Um, to live how He designed us. Right. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That it, I, I think I, I don't remember if I explained it to you on the podcast or to a friend because we were just talking about this the other day. If you think of it like light going through a prism, the prism bends it. That light's going a certain direction, then it bends it and it separates it. Mm-hmm. So if you think about the, the Imago Dei and the good that that is within a human being and upon a human being, it's covered by this layer of sin that wants to suppress it. So when it fights back and it comes out, it comes out wanting to connect with the God that made it. But by, by the time it gets to that sin nature, it gets bent. And it, the bend always leads it to trade the creator for the creation, mm-hmm. Romans says. Right. That's true. I like that illustration. That's a good illustration. That's good. Um, so kind of a, 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 this is a little bit different conversation, but just kind of your, your, you guys, your, your opinion on this. And it's kind of two separate questions, but related. Uh, I know there's a, a book that was written after the Harry Potter Series, I forgot the name of it. You have to remind me. Oh yeah, the, uh, the, the, the Cursed Child. Right. So I was curious what you thought of that. So I'm going to ask, come back to you in a second, but to give you a little bit of time to think mm-hmm. what you're going to say, the Lord of the Rings Amazon series. What are your expectations for that? Like, do you think it's going to be any good? Okay. Do you think it's going to be bad? Right. Like, so anyway, go for you. What do you what do you what do you think of that book? And, and well, I'll be perfectly honest. I haven't actually read it. Okay. So I still need to get to that one. Um, from what I have heard, it's definitely not to the level of the seven books. And I don't expect anything will be because that's, again, that's just one of the most brilliant stories ever written. Just 
uttered by the fact that it's resonated with so many people that there's only there's only one book that's ever sold more copies than Harry Potter than the Harry Potter series, and that's the Bible. So yeah, um, I, 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 she's not going to top that. Right. You know, so I think it's good. I, I I love the Wizarding World. I'm loving the Fantastic Beast movie series. Um, I know the second one was kind of dull, but I, I'm hopeful for where the where that series is going. Um, but I, I from what I've heard from the Cursed Child is that people are a little. It's a little lackluster. It's a little. I don't know, half baked maybe. Yeah. Kind of like her, just, like, her, her story yeah. just basically puts it in a blender. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, yeah, yeah. And there's some maybe some contradictions maybe that, that I've heard that maybe she wasn't her heart wasn't in it as much as it was writing the series. Right. You that, know, that, that which is sense. understandable. I mean, it took, I mean, it took ten, ten or fifteen years of her life to write those stories, and it, it was, I mean, it was a it was a haul. Right. It yeah. took a lot out of her. Out of yeah. So, so Aaron, what do you think about the Lord of the Rings? upcoming series I mean what are your expectations for it do you think it's going to be bad good um, ugly I was just looking because I saw this the other day um, Amazon spent 114 million dollars um, or no I'm sorry uh, 250 million dollars for the first season that's crazy so I expect it to be and for reference that's more than they spent on the three films right Right, yeah. So I expect it to be visually stunning. I expect it to be... Um, have big action sequences and all that kind of stuff. You don't spend that kind of money and not have not have that. Right. Um, so... And so... Um, I know that it's, you know, taking place uh, before. You know, it's in Second Age and so... So we're not going to be getting into a lot of the, the storylines that we see. Um, so I'm hopeful that it's going to develop a world that, um, that we've imagined about after reading the Similarian and, 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 uh, and, those t- and, and the histories of Middle Earth. Uh, I'm hesitant because I think that they are going to make it have modern um, values. Okay, yeah. Instead of the values that have always been in The Lord of the Rings, right. The Hobbit, um, th- that world, in the Middle-earth world. So I'm, I- I'm obviously going to watch it, um, but <sighs> I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that they just stay with um, Tolkien's original s- yeah, standard, visions. yeah. Um, right. Instead of instead of modernizing it um, and forcing modern ethics into uh, the world that he created, yeah, like try, <coughs> try to Game of Thrones it. <coughs> yeah, yeah, and and make it you know to where you know there's not it, it just just making it more modern and in its in its thought. But trying to keep it the feel in the in the Middle Earth world, right. um, so I've got high expectations for it or hopes for it. Let's put it that way. Yeah, definitely. Um, I just hope that it lives up to what we want. Right. Um, definitely. Yeah. So um, before we close up, and we're at an hour and twenty minutes here. Um, what 
You know, no one's listening by now. Yeah, but they've all a, turned it off. I, that's okay. Well, any closing remarks about you know fantasy, anything related to it? Any anything you got before we shut it down? If your conscience will allow, I would encourage you to get involved. I think it is not only a nice mental break from the world and a way to escape into something something entertaining, but I think, as we've tried to show, for a Christian, it can be something devotional and something formative, if you let it. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I, uh, I affirm all of that, and I'm grateful for Tolkien that he made C.S. Lewis's world actually good. <laughs> so, that's... Uh, you know what, we didn't have... <laughs> I, I didn't do anything all episode. Well, we wait till the very end. <laughs> yeah. good, good. That's good. Well, tune in for next The end time. of this episode is going to be the flipping of this yeah. page. <laughs> I'm just going to hear, I'm just going to hear, yeah. No. I'm just going to cut it off. You're going to hear, hear me, my voice in the distance, yeah. just, just cursing Aaron. <laughs> Screeching. Yes. No. I'm taking your car, Jared. No. Oh, no. Oh, gosh. I haven't paid it off yet. So. Uh. Uh, cool. Well, um, yeah, thanks, thanks for doing this, guys. Um, it's been fun. We'll have to do it again another day. Maybe bring on a little Ben Sutton there. Maybe he can. I don't know if he's into this stuff. I haven't even asked. I don't know. Have we? I don't know if we've talked about it or not. But I assume he would be into it. He so. does. I think he does like Lord of the Rings. I okay, said he, well, he's hesitant on Harry Potter, but I'm working he's on saved. that. Yeah. He's saved. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna be developing a roundtable here pretty soon if we're not careful. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's true. So, all right, guys. Well, thank y'all for for listening and tuning in, and hopefully you're still there, here after an hour and twenty one minutes. If not, that's okay too. Uh, join us or join me or whoever else is on for next listeners time. or not we had fun yeah absolutely so, yeah. that's that's what I do I do it for fun like I don't do it for I don't do it because I'm not doing it for like Joe Thorne and those guys they get thousands and thousands of downloads thousands and thousands of pennies maybe this will be billions and billions yeah <laughs> this will be the episode that launches me into fame that's so right watch it watch this that's right uh, so alright well guys uh, I pray that you have a wonderful week God bless <laughs>